Hi everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the University of Greenwich Sustainability Podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is a podcast to discuss sustainability at the University of Greenwich and our wider lives. Hopefully with these short podcasts we can provide a good starting point for you guys to delve into sustainability topics and hopefully engage with the wider sustainability team or eco team projects. Today we're joined by Valentina who is the creator of MyCore. We'll delve into what MyCore is in a second, but Valentina, could you give yourself an intro? Hello, everyone. Um, so I'm Valentina, and I am the founder of MyCore. And MyCore is a biotechnology and design company, um, which has got uh, at its core digital design and biofabrication inspired by nature. And we will talk obviously a bit more about what we do at MyCore, um, but my background is in design. So I'm not exactly a biologist or a scientist, but I kind of like self-taught uh, like a bit of biology um, so I could merge it with design and technology and create uh, objects that are actually grown um, in uh, a very uh, natural way. So, Valentina, we ask our speakers to bring a fun fact. Have you got a fun fact for this episode? Yeah, so actually I've got two fun facts. Uh, so they're all um, mushroom related because uh, we we will uh, obviously delve into designing with, with mushrooms uh, and we will talk about this in a second. So the fun fact number one, um, so there is a 2,500-year-old giant honey mushroom in Oregon, America, and this mushroom is covering 2,200 acres, which is roughly 8.9 square kilometers. So it's a huge area. And this mushroom is slowly killing off all the trees in the forest. And it is the largest living organism on the planet. And yeah, this is crazy because it's not visible. So the mushroom, so at the moment, it's all the mushroom roots that are under the soil and are sort of covering this whole area and it's the largest living organism in, in the planet we can't even see it um yeah. and then another fun fact is that um obviously you know mushrooms are like the fruiting body of of mycelium which is like the root of mushrooms uh but mushrooms themselves uh, when they are combined with a, with a solvent, they can be used to create uh, really vibrant dyes. So there's different mushrooms with different solvent, different solvents. They can make nearly every color of the rainbow. So we could use, for example, meadow mushroom plus uh, salt water to make a yellow greenish color. Or we can use lobster mushrooms with ammonia to make a lobster pink and we could dye our fabrics with it and it's perfectly natural and really interesting. Yeah, those are really fun facts actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you start by describing your motivations for starting, Michael? So uh, kind of like uh, just to explain a little bit, a um, bit more about what we do at Michael. So we use the um, uh, mycelium, which is the root of mushrooms. Uh, so it's sort of like the vegetative, vegetative part of mushrooms um, and it's something that we don't see uh, normally it's normally like under the soil so I use these roots of mushrooms to bind uh, waste and create new products with it this is like the the basic sort 
sort of explanation of what I do. But these products um, utilize wood waste that uh, is normally discarded. Um, I started working um, and sort of like I started working with mycelium and waste uh, when I was doing my uh, master's degree at the Royal College of Art in London. And I've always been really passionate about nature. Um, I, um, I grew up in Sicily, in Italy, and my dad is actually an agronomist. So all of my life, I sort of really loved uh, taking care of plants, having plants in the home, uh, grow my own veg, <laughs> this kind of stuff. And, but I also was really passionate about art and design. Um, so when I discovered there were so many different waste streams that um, were being unused or uh, going to landfill or incinerated, I felt as a designer, it was really compelling to find a solution. Um, and this is what designers do, they try to find solutions to everyday problems, but this is like a huge problem. Uh, so initially, I started like investigating the waste streams in in Sicily itself, and I started experimenting with um, waste, uh, the waste from wine, uh, and also like different kinds of agricultural waste. They would normally be like incinerated, um, and I uh, then obviously living in the UK, I was like, okay, now I want to start using waste that's local to me, uh, and that's when I discovered that there was like a lot of waste from like urban green spaces uh, in Kent where I live that was going into landfill or was going and in, becoming incinerated or there was just becoming like really a low value product like mulch and I was like how can I take this waste and make it into a high value product again um, so yeah that's when I was like I actually can use other companies waste or other systems waste to as my raw material and I could use that to make products that were circular and then could be decomposed back into nature. Oh, great. Yes. Yeah, so like you said, um, your products are made using a mix of wood waste and mycelium. Um, yes. So you touched on it slightly, but um, for those that don't know, what is mycelium and why did you choose to use this material specifically? Um, so mycelium um, is the vegetative part of mushrooms. So it would be the, the root of mushrooms that is normally under the soil. And it's made of like little branch structures uh, called ifi. So the ifi um, work like a natural glue. Um, and they're a cellulosic based material. Uh, and they're like 90% made of water itself. So they're really like sustainable when you think about it because you can use the ivy as a glue instead of using like sealants or phthalates or any other like resin that's um, chemically based so or petroleum based. So you use this ivy to bind this waste and um, that, that I've got and then I kind of like mold it into shapes and that's where I'm able to make uh, products out of it. So, yeah, you touched on some of the other products that you can make out of mycelium, but what are the other applications of mycelium as well? How can you see it being used in other situations? Um, yeah, so at the moment, I should really explain what I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing uh, sort of interior products. So I've got a collection of homewares, like 
uh, candle um, holders um, and uh, like bowls, vases and like things like that. Uh, but I'm working on a quite a, low, a small scale um, at the moment, but I would like to expand into um, lighting and furniture as well. Um, so really you can do, um, depending on like how you bind, uh, which kind of like um, waste you use to bind the mycelium with, you can get totally different results. Um, you can actually, um, there's a company in Italy, Mogu, that's working with mycelium and cotton waste. Um, and they're making insulating panels, like sound absorbing panels for interiors. Um, there's also ways to use it and make it into flooring. Um, there's also ways to make it into um, architectural insulation. Uh, there's a company in, um, in London that's actually working on that called Biome. Um, and they're going to launch their mycelium insulation next year, which is really exciting. Um, and then in America, there's a company that makes it into packaging. So it really is, it's got like a lot of um, uses because it's, um, it's got really interesting natural physical properties that make it uh, attractive. Um, and these are, the, the, the mycelium is basically sound absorbent uh, naturally. It's uh, fire retardant and it's also water repellent. So these properties uh, just make it really great for a large range of products. Yeah, that's so many good features. And it sounds like there are applications for it all over. Sort of, you said you were working on homeware and it really surprised me that you said um, it can be used for insulation as well. Yes, yes, exactly. So what's... Some of the inspirations for your designs. We'll move on to sort of talking about your specific micro products now. Yeah, so uh, my designs are actually inspired by my travels in um, in Japan. So last year, um, I was lucky enough to get offered um, a scholarship in uh, Kyoto um, Design School, and I was able to stay in Japan for a month and to sort of like explore. Um, all the different um, places and kind of like in south of Japan and I noticed that Japan is a land of many contradictions and there's like incredible uh, like layers of packaging on top of fruit like there's a melon that's wrapped in one initial like a bubble wrap sort of packaging and then it's also encased in a vacuum formed packaging and it, it keeps like it's got like different layers of packaging and I was like why is that necessary but then on the other hand they really put like a strong um, sort of value on craft and and they actually I don't know if you're familiar with kintsugi which is the way of like fixing um, old um, ceramics so they can be used again and with the like little um, stream of gold um, and so I was like why a place that is actually so based around craft um, actually uses a lot of waste at the same time uh, so craft and repairing um, so I kind of like went around and and I got inspired by the beauty of like Japanese gardens 
the shapes. So a lot of the shapes are inspired by the Japanese rock gardens that I saw. Um, so this kind of like uh, corrugated concentrical shapes. Um, and then, but I was also at the same time looking at industrial Japan and I visited a lot of like factories uh, there and they all have this, uh, this waste and this kind of like uh, construction waste that I was like, oh dear, this waste has got similar design features. And I find it really beautiful comparing to the, um, to the, the gardens. So I saw this perfect gardens with the same sort of corrugated shapes uh, that the waste had. Uh, and I was like also going to a lot of museums and exploring ceramics and traditional Japanese ceramics. So I sort of like extrapolated those waste, the, those shapes from the ceramics and the waste that I found and created a collection that was um, looking like uh, ancient uh, ceramic, but also combined with the industrial look uh, of the corrugated waste and uh, shapes that I found in the factories. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. I've known it's from um, Japanese design. Yeah, I've only recently heard about the method of um, fixing ceramics. Yeah. So we'll move on. You've talked about a few areas of waste. So in 2010, UK wood waste arisings were 4.3 million tonnes. According to WRAP in 2011, in England, almost 40% of wood waste arisings are found from in three areas, London, the South East and the North West. Um, so I know you get your sort of waste from Medway Council and local sawmills, and the council's waste is a result of cleaning urban green areas and otherwise it'd be discarded or incinerated or used as fertiliser. Do you have any statistics on how much wood waste the council like Midway produces? And what are some of the environmental impacts of, of large amounts of wood waste? Yeah, so this, um, the, the amount of waste, so talking with the, the Medway Council, they haven't released like recent statistics, but I know that um, what their main challenge is, is actually uh, collecting uh, waste from small and medium enterprises because small and medium enterprises don't have enough uh, money and don't produce enough uh, waste to hire skips. So they, the waste they produce uh, actually doesn't go um back into uh like the right recycling system because that waste wood waste specifically is catalogued is is catalogued into uh different levels uh so there's like a waste of grade a waste of grade aa uh, which are like the sort of more quality waste uh, and then it goes into grade b and c and so on so the lower grade wastes um they are actually um, not um, being reused in any way because they've got sort of chemicals and sealants and they've been treated uh, with different resins. Um, so they're actually really dangerous to, uh, to use. Um, but I also, I'm not at a stage where I can use them because they can be safe to compost. So I'm still obviously still have to use this kind of like low grade uh, sort of B 
B waste, grade A or grade B waste, which normally it just becomes fuel. Um, it, it's used for like geothermal um, um, biomass, actually, biomass heating. Um, so to produce electricity, but it's still you're still burning something, which is not ideal because um, it obviously uh, creates fumes and is just like uh, raising the temperature of the earth even more. Um, that's why I don't specifically agree with using really good quality waste like this one for biomass. Um, some of it it's used to make like MDF panels, but then again, MDF uh, panels or particulate boards uh, are not are not safe um, because they've got like really glues and sealants, uh, and there's no way to recycle those. Um, so really, I was trying to think about a way that this waste could be could be reused um, into into something useful that then would become and would compost really easily. Uh, obviously, the next challenge is being able to use um, the waste that is really like low grade. And because of mycelium's qualities of uh, microremediation, because um, mycelium is able to sort of break down and digest even certain kinds of metals and certain kinds of plastics. Um, so maybe one day we'll be able to discover the uh, species of, of fungi that are able to break down this really polluting waste and uh, use it in our new products. Um, so yeah, there's different, there's, different there's different reasons why this waste that I'm talking about is going into the wrong sort of, uh, it's not being recycled properly or it's going into the wrong sort of uh, end of its life um, and there's also this like I said this waste from the small businesses that they're not able to sort it properly uh, so they're not able to recycle it in the right way so if we were to come along and take that waste and uh, take it from their hands almost because they're not able to um, get rid of it in the right way uh, and collaborate with these businesses, um, I think it would be a, a good way to salvage a lot of waste that normally uh, would go into landfill, even though it's really good waste still and can be reused. Thanks for giving that um, in-depth description of the sort of system, because I know it's an area that maybe people haven't um, sort of thought about before or encountered before in their regular lives. So other ways, other companies' waste becomes your raw materials and your process utilizes very little energy and water and growing mycelium is carbon negative. What are some of the challenges in, in achieving these features of your products? Yeah, so uh, there's many challenges connected with uh, sort of making mycelium uh, and mycelium biofabricated products into uh, a sort of standardized industrial uh, production of of materials or products. Um, so at the moment, the um, like if you think about a mycelium, a mushroom factory, um, they work in a very like standardized way. 
they've got uh, really like sanitized rooms. Um, they uh, have the right temperature. So I think what's really uh, important is having uh, climate control um, in the labs, uh, in the grow labs, because mycelium only grows at specific temperature. Uh, that it also varies uh, depending on what kind of species you're using. So the species that I'm using, reishi, uh, grows around 25 degrees, which means that you need to keep your growing room at that temperature constantly. Um, and then the other challenge is obviously working with the inoculation, so like transfer of the spores onto the waste. Uh, that has to be done in a um, sort of lab condition. So ideally, you would have all of like lab equipment to keep the place sterilized. Uh, you would have uh, EPA filters. Um, so that's kind of like the most challenging uh, part of working with uh, living organisms that you need to have almost like a lab sort of setting for it. And then you need to have it like climate controlled. Um, but then other than that, you don't need uh, really like expensive machinery or like uh, you don't need uh, machinery that goes like at a thousand degrees because uh, you can literally dry these at 80 degrees, 80 to 90 degrees. Um, so you don't need to use um, a lot of water or a lot of electricity. And as the mycelium grows, uh, it actually produces oxygen and absorbs uh, CO2. So it actually uh, makes, cleans up the air and adds, uh, adds uh, like a plant <laughs> would do, right? Um, uh, the most, the biggest challenge, obviously, with making products out of it is finding a way to use the traditional ways of making products and make it work for, for mycelium. Um, so it would mean, uh, am I still able to use heat presses or am I still able to use a 3D printer? Um, and there's been many cases where, I mean, for micro specifically, I'm able to use 3D printers to create the molds. Uh, which I've made uh, are made of recycled PLA, um, which is made of cornstarch. Um, so these molds are quite resistant, and I'm able to use these to uh, mold my um, my products. Uh, but there's also ways where I could 3D print the substrate into a paste with another type of 3D printer, uh, which is basically a zero waste approach. Um, so the, the challenge is obviously kind of like testing different designs. Uh, we know that like mycelium likes to grow in a sort of like spherical way. So it appreciates really well um, sort of curved shapes um, and a bit less uh, 90 degree angles uh, or any kind of angles. Um, so uh, it's just about sort of like trial and testing and see what kind of shapes the mycelium will appreciate and also depending on what kind of waste you you have then you you know what kind of experiments you can you can do depending on like how small the waste is or how big the waste is the, the particle of waste i mean so your products can be composted at home for people who do not have the facilities to compost at home, what happens to your product in general waste? 
Yeah, so the products, um, yes, they can be composted at home. It's very easy to do it. You can just uh, break them apart, uh, add some uh, water, uh, mix them with soil, and they will literally start to degrade. Um, and a few tests that I've done show that they will degrade completely from like in 30 to 45 days. Um, but obviously, if you don't have a way to compost at home, uh they this these materials can easily go into into landfill in fact in landfill we've got a lot of other molds and fungus that is actually um decomposing a lot of our waste for us um so it will just take longer so it will not take 45 days because it's covered by other materials and so it will not be able to uh, receive enough oxygen to compost in the time that I've tested so that those 45 days it will probably take longer uh, to decompose but it will still decompose earlier than other materials way earlier okay yeah that's great um so are there any other companies that you admire for their zero waste approach or sort of innovation in this sort of area that you'd like to talk about yeah, so I was mentioning about um, Biome and the, the company. So it's an architectural uh, company uh, that's working with mycelium insulation um, for, uh, for architecture. And I really admire them uh, because going into uh, architectural uh, insulation, uh, you have to go through a lot of... Um, um, a lot of testing and trialing and R&D and development. And, and there's a lot of regulations as well. So I think it's been really challenging for them to make a material that's natural, completely natural, completely made from mushrooms, but can also be used in our homes in a safe way. Um, another company that I really admire is um, Aero Powder. And it's a company that creates packaging made uh, from um, uh, chicken feather waste because uh, chicken feathers are a huge byproduct of um, the sort of meat, chicken meat industry, right? And they are uh, a big waste and they found a way to pulverize um, these chicken, chicken feathers um, and to make it into um uh, a product that's actually really highly insulating uh, so they can use it as packaging for food uh, and these days where there's so much packaging uh, being used and uh, obviously we're ordering a lot of things online and there's a lot of deliveries uh, especially during the pandemic where we're not able to um, you know go out sometimes and buy our own food and we need to get it delivered I think having a sustainable solution to ship the and like a safe solution to keep the food warm or to keep that food cold that's also made from a byproduct of the food industry I think that's really smart um and obviously there's there's a lot of companies at the moment that are throwing the sustainability sort of label around um greenwashing a bit but there's also companies that are doing it in a more radical way. And those are the ones that we should really research and, and like support. Yeah, definitely. I think I would encourage a viewer or anybody really to, um, yeah, look into 
you don't have to do loads of research, but just look into sort of the ways that they are becoming sustainable because just the word sustainability in a website isn't enough really. Like, yeah, look into it, take some interest in sort of the different companies and how they're doing it and use that to sometimes focus your um, some consuming decisions. Yeah, definitely. I think if we if we all become more con- conscious consumers, uh, mm. I think we will really make a change into uh, these big companies. Because if we don't care about what we buy, uh, we got, I'm going to make like one last example uh, that's in the fashion industry. Because um, this, this is something very real. and uh, We all buy clothes. And uh, the fashion industry is one of the most polluting industries in the world. I think it's the second one after the construction industry. So going great. Um, but the there's this company called uh, this label uh, called uh, Megan, by Megan Crosby, and Megan uh, works in a very interesting way uh, against fast fashion. So she makes all of her garments uh, to size. So she actually asks her customers, "Give me your size, give me your measurements, and I'll do this garment for you, uh, um, like made to measure with no extra cost." Um, and she uses like dead stock. Uh, she uses only digitally printed fabrics because they don't use um, much water to be made. Uh, traditionally, screen printed fabrics, for example, are really wasteful. Um, there's a lot of water and inks being used. Um, but the digitally printed fabrics are much better. Uh, and then she only makes these to order on like in really small batches. And when they're gone, they're gone. So she doesn't have any dead stock. And, and this is something that we could all learn, I guess. We, we should, and she's very transparent about why her clothes maybe cost more than fast fashion. Um, but it's because they're all made, they're, there's so many perks to them and they're made to measure and they're made with, in a sustainable way. Um, and so do we really value that or do, are we happy to keep buying from Primark or Zara? Um, just because stuff is cheap, but then what's the real cost for us in the future? Where is this stuff going to go when it's going to break apart and like we're not going to be able to... um... So it's almost like, are we saving money now, but what's the cost for our health and our well-being in the future? So it's almost like you need to think about that and make that call. Oh, great, yeah. Thank you for that last moment as well. Um, sort of, yeah, rounding off the episode really well. Um, so thank you, Valentina, for your time, and I will include a link to sort of my core on the um, our podcast notes as well, so people can have a look and maybe hopefully purchase something from you. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to, yeah, or just get in touch if you've got any questions, because I'm I'm really yeah, happy definitely. to to respond to anyone. Um, or my Instagram as well which is the one the uh, I get a lot of questions in the DMs so if you've got any question please get in touch um, and yeah and hopefully you will think about uh, a bit more uh, about your sort of being a conscious consum- consumer in the future <laughs> and mushrooms as well and <laughs> mushrooms yes <laughs> um, so thank you for listening and if the listener would like to get involved in any sustainability projects or find out more about my core or um, like Valentina said, ask her any questions or be on an episode yourself, um, please visit www.gre.ac 
www.ncc.uk forward slash sustain. Thanks for Valentina. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ryan.